makes no mistake. His father planned it for our sakes. He took our guilt, Christ bore our hell, so that I can God's love to tell He gently says Won't you be mine And to no other Love incline Let all of your life Be the cruel cross it was no mistake my heavenly father planned it for my sake Christ took my guilt oh he bore my hell so that I God's love can tell. I want us to open our Bibles this evening, the book of Luke's Gospel, and the chapter is the chapter number eight, the eighth chapter of the book of Luke's Gospel. And we're going to commence reading the Word of God at the verse number four. And let's just read a few verses from this passage of God's truth. And let's follow the reading of God's precious Word. And uh, this is what the Word of God says. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here. It says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up, and bare fruit an hundredfold, and when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse number 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they had heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, have heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Keep your Bible open, and let's just bow our heads for a wee word of prayer, and we'll ask the Lord to bless us as we come to study God's infallible truth this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy precious word, and we bless thee that we can depend upon it, because it's thy word. And thou art a God who cannot lie. We thank thee, we praise thee, that thou hast given us precious promises in this book. And we bless thee that thou hast said, My word shall not return unto me void. And so tonight, Lord, we know that as we preach thy word, that it shall prosper in the thing whereto thou descended. And so, Lord, we're leaving it with thee, and we pray that thou will help me to preach. 
uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ and present the Lord Jesus, that wonderful Savior we're singing about. In times like these, we need a Savior. And there's only one. His name is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. And, O oh God, I pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou will truly write thy word upon each of our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, once again, we come to another passage of the Word of God where the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that's doing the speaking. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here in a parable. And, of course, a parable is simply an earthly story that everyone can understand, but it has a spiritual, it has a heavenly meaning. Now, it is said of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how true it is, they said, never man speak like this man. There was no one could ever paint a picture or tell a story like the Lord Jesus Christ tells us here in the passage of God's precious word. The Lord Jesus Christ went teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, the Bible tells us, indeed, as we study, the Lord Jesus was a very single-minded preacher because no matter where the Savior went, he was always about his father's business. And, of course, that's a good, a good job for a preacher to be about his heavenly father's business. But the Lord Jesus was also a very simple preacher. He took the very simple things. For example, we were looking and mentioning last night, we were talking about the, the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. And, of course, everyone in that day that the Savior was talking about could understand just exactly the meaning and the purpose of the, the ten virgins and of those that had got lamps but had no oil. So, therefore, how foolish that was. Then, of course, the Lord Jesus talked about the, the wise man who built his house upon a rock. And, of course, people would know how wise that would be. Certainly important it would be to have a sure foundation to build upon a solid foundation. And, of course, the rock, the Bible tells us, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That rock is Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4. Then, of course, the foolish man, he built his house upon the sand. But, of course, whenever the storm came and the rain came and the wind blew, then the house that was in the sand had just collapsed because there was no foundation. It had nothing to hold it in the time of storm. And how important it is for us to have a refuge. The hymn writer asked the question, will your anchor hold in the storms of life? And thank God the chorus says, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Yes, the Lord Jesus took very simple things but he brought profound, profound truth, the truth of the gospel, and brought it to his ears. But the Lord Jesus Christ was also a serious-minded preacher because, because the Lord Jesus talked about eternal things. He didn't waste his time talking about things that, that were frivolous or things that didn't matter. There was always a tremendous spiritual truth in what the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking. And how important it is that when a man stands up in the pulpit, that he stands up to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a, a child, I went to a church, and sad to say, the minister wasn't saved. But I can remember well, I was sitting in the choir, I was sitting down in the choir stall, and, and one of the small members of the choir, and, and uh, he, he, he hadn't got his hymn book with him, so he, he, he noted down to me and asked me, would I give him my hymn book? And I handed the hymn book up to him in the pulpit, and whenever the service was over, he handed it back, but he handed his sermon back to me down in the hymn book. He had the sermon in the hymn book. And I remember reading it, and here was a, here was a sermon. You're nearer heart, God's heart in the garden than any place else in the earth. That's all he had got to talk about. He had nothing as far as spiritual truth was concerned. You're nearer God's heart in the garden than any place else in the earth. And I remember uh, he handed that sermon. I looked at it and I said to myself, isn't that so foolish that that's all that a man has to preach into souls of men and women that are headed out into God's eternity? Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was upon this earth, he was a very serious-minded preacher because the Lord Jesus said this, repent ye, repent and be converted. And friend, how important. The Lord Jesus, in actual fact, one of his first sermons, he said, accept you repent ye shall all likewise perish. What a serious message that is. Calling men and women to repent of their sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the Savior 
was one who just said it as it really is. And how important it is for men and women, you know, to hear a preacher that comes simply to tell you how it really is. You know, some preachers, if they're amongst an evangelical crowd, they'll preach an evangelical message. If they're amongst an ungodly crowd, there's not an ounce of the gospel in what they've got to say. And they compromise themselves because whatever company, they're influenced by their company. Let me tell you straight tonight, I haven't come to waste your time to talk about nonsense. I've come to preach the word of God. And that's what I'm going to look at here tonight. I remember there was an old preacher one time. His name was Peter Cartwright. And General Jackson uh, came into one of his meetings. Now, the place was absolutely packed. And General Jackson, you'll say, who was he? Well, he became a future president of the United States of America. And General Jackson came into the meeting, and the place was absolutely packed. All the chairs were taken up, and there was only just standing room. And General Jackson walked up into the middle of the congregation, and he leaned against one of the pillars of the congregation, and he stood there. And the preacher had just announced his text. He said, I'm preaching tonight upon Mark's gospel, chapter 8 and verse number 36. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what can a man give in exchange for his soul? One of the people that were sitting behind uh, Peter Cartwright, the old preacher, uh, as he was about to get into his text and preach the gospel, one of the men came up and tugged his coat and, and tugged it several times. And, and then he whispered, and said, General Jackson's here. General Jackson's here. And of course, alerting him that he needed to be careful. Be careful what you say, because General Jackson, this mighty man, is in the congregation. Peter Cartwright turned around to the person that took this coat and says, Who is General Jackson? You tell General Jackson, if he doesn't be converted and turned from his sin, he's going to hell the same as everybody else. And then he went and carried on his message. Men and women, let me tell you straight. We've got to be faithful to men and women. Tell them the truth, because the Bible says... It's the truth that sets you free. It's the truth. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. And that's why the preacher has got to preach Christ. It's only the Lord Jesus. We're not here to exalt the church. We're not here to preach a denomination. We're here to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life. Because remember, no man cometh unto the Father but by him. And that's why it's so important for us to get to the very heart of what Jesus Christ has got to say tonight. Now, the Bible tells us here in this 8th chapter, look with me please in Luke's Gospel chapter 8, and the Bible says in verse number 4, there was much people gathered together and were come to him out of every city and he spake a parable. In other words, there was a crowd of people. They came from here, they came from there, in every city, they came to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. My, that was a wonderful thing. Oh, that God would send us days like that again. When men and women of that city, the city of Belfast, of this, of this neighborhood of carried up, that men and women would come in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what the word gospel means? It means good news. And friend, let me tell you, the man who preaches the old-fashioned gospel of redeeming grace, he's delivering the sweetest news that any man could ever deliver to lost souls. Because thank God, in the gospel of Christ, there is a blessed hope. In the gospel of Christ, there is salvation. In the gospel of Christ, it leads men, it takes men and women to heaven. And it's only through the preaching of the gospel. That's why the Paul said to Timothy, he says, son, preach you the word. You preach the word. That's what you're there for. You're to preach the word. You're not there to preach the philosophies of man. You're not there to humor the congregation. You're there to preach the word. And Paul was writing his last letter. And that was the last thing that he had to say to young Timothy. He says, Timothy, you preach the word, son. You preach the word. There was a son in the faith. His son in the faith. He says, preach the word. And he handed the baton on to the young lad. And he said, preach the word. He said, listen, be in season. And he says, preach it out of season. Let me tell you, listen, reprove, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. And friend, that's the days that we're living in. 
That's the very days we're living in. Men and women don't want sound doctrine anymore. They don't want to hear the word of God. They want their preacher to stand up and tickle their ears and, and my, just to, 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 to carry them away and tell them just how wonderful they are and just keep on the road you're going. You're doing good with the life you're living. Live the best you can and make it out on the end of the journey. And the preacher's laying through his teeth. Because let me tell you, friend, your way... Uh, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof. And that's what's important. That's the end of the journey. The end thereof is the way of death. And so the multitudes out of every city were coming to the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus wasn't carried away with the crowd, friend. Do you know why? Because the Lord knew exactly the crowd. The Lord knew what was in the heart of the crowd. And the Bible tells us there were the times when the Lord Jesus was in his days of popularity. And the crowds of people were coming to the Lord Jesus. But when you turn to a chapter 6 of the book of John's Gospel, it says from that time many of them went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to his disciples, will you also go away? Because you see, people just left. You see, they were there for the bread. They weren't there for the bread of life. They were there for the, the things that the Lord Jesus, the miracles that Christ would do and the healing of their bodies and, and my healing their children and, and giving sight to the blind and deaf, those that were deaf to give them hearing and all the miracles, even turning the, the, the bread and multiplying the loaves and the fishes and feeding the 5,000 out of the five wee loaves and two wee fishes. Yes, they were there for the miracles, but they weren't there for Christ. They didn't want Jesus. And friend, there's nothing new. Men and women tonight, let me tell you, the vast of humanity, the crowds of humanity, do not want the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, whenever the Lord Jesus looked on the multitude and he stood there in the Mount of Olives and he looked down into the city of Jerusalem, what did Jesus did? He wept. The Son of God. And God the Son stood on the top of the Mount of Olives and the beaded tear drops went down the side of the, the cheeks of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus said? He said, how oft would I have gathered thee as a hen would gather her brood under her wing. In other words, I love you. I brought you a message of deliverance. I brought you a message of salvation. And then he said this, but ye would not. He didn't want it. And the tragedy is, the vast majority of carried off tonight, they don't want Jesus. They don't want Jesus. Oh yes, whenever their back's against the wall, when they're in trouble, they'll come to the preacher and they'll say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Would you pray for my mother? She's, she's sick. You. Would you pray that God will heal her? My, would you pray for my child? And my child's not well. Pray that God will heal you. You see, they want the Lord to do these things whenever their back's against the wall. But they don't want the Lord. They want the miracles. But they don't want salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he looked upon those people, the Bible says that he spake, verse 4, he spake by a parable. And he told the parable, and many of you know it tonight, it's the parable of the sower. It says the sower, it says there in verse number 5, a sower went forth to sow. Now, that's a very simple statement, isn't it? That's a natural thing. What would a sower do but go forth to sow? And indeed, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, it gives us the exposition of this parable. If you go down to verse number 11, it says, Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. But notice it doesn't tell us who the sower is. Now, there's another parable that the Lord Jesus Christ gave. It was the parable of the wheat and the tares. And the Lord Jesus in that exposition said, listen, the sower is the son of man. But it doesn't say that here. So you say, who's a sower here? It just simply says, a sower went forth to sow. Well, I'll tell you who the sower is, friend. It's anyone. It's everyone who professes Christ as Savior. We're all sowers of the seed. We're all to be sowers of the seed. You know, some people have got this idea, my, I just leave it to our preacher to talk to the unconverted. I just leave it to him to talk to those that are not saved. I wouldn't like to annoy the people if I was to tell them that they were sinners and the need of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just leave it to him. Let me tell you, there are people that your preacher will never reach. People at your work. 
Maybe it's in a factory, whether it's in a farm, wherever it is. There's people, let me tell you, in the market that he'll never reach, but you can. And if you're saved, you're carrying precious seed, as we'll find. And it says there in verse number 11, it says, this parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And if you're carrying the word of God, friend, if you're a child of God, then it is your responsibility to carry the gospel seed. It's not only the preacher's responsibility. It's not only the Sabbath school teacher's responsibility. It's every child of God's responsibility to sow the gospel seed. You know, the Bible gives a wonderful promise. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And friend, what a joy it is. What a joy it is to be a soul winner. What a joy it is to, to lead and, and kneel with some poor precious soul and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked you this question. Are you sowing the seed, brother? The wee hymn writer says, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the morning bright and fair? Are you doing it? Or are you leaving it to somebody else? Because let me tell you, if you're a child of God, you're accountable for your stewardship. You'll give an account for your stewardship. You know what God requires of his stewards? The Bible says that they're found faithful. Faithful. And if you're found faithful, friend, you'll be doing what God says. You'll be sowing the gospel seed. Because wherever you go, you can take the gospel. You can take it to men and women that need to hear the gospel, that perhaps have never heard, but they need you. They need you to take the gospel to them. And so it says here, it says, a sower went forth to sow. It doesn't say who he is, because that's you, just the same as me. Now, what are we carrying? It says here, it says they're carrying the seed is the word of God, is the word of God. And as I said, Paul writing to Timothy says, Timothy, you preach the word. You see, 1 Corinthians, Paul writing to the, the Corinthian believers said this. He said, it is through the foolishness of preaching that God is ordained to save them to believe. It's an amazing thing that God, through the foolishness of preaching... To save them to believe. God has sent me to preach the gospel tonight. He's told me to come. And he's brought me here to preach his precious infallible word. And through the foolishness of preaching. Preaching what? Preaching the word of God. That's what we're here. We're here to take men, bring a man and woman to the word of God. And my friend, I never, it absolutely amazes me that you can have services and they never open the Bible. The preacher never opens the Bible. Or if he does, he maybe reads a few verses of the Bible and then he closes the book and whatever he has to say, it's him saying it. It's not God. I want to tell you tonight, I've come to tell you what God says. We're preaching this book. We're preaching this book. I want tonight under God to expound the book, what God has said, what God has revealed in his precious and his infallible word. Because you see, the seed we're carrying is the word of God. James chapter 1.18 says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Men and women need to hear the word of truth. Because it's through the hearing of the word of God. It says, faith cometh by what? By hearing. Hearing what? By the word of God. It's the word of God that men and women need. And friend, let me tell you, we're not here to talk about some new philosophy or some thinking that Brother McLaughlin has thought of or some thinking that I have thought of. I have come simply to tell you what God has given to us in his precious word because that's how men and women are brought to saving faith in Christ. First Peter chapter 1, 23 says, Being born again, not of, in, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. By the word of God. So God... It is the preaching of the word of God. You see, seed is a way. I was raised in a farm. And I remember us going out to sow the seed. Let me tell you about the seed. Seed has life in it. There's life in that seed. And I'll tell you something. The seed's the word of God. There's life in this book. This is not an old dead book. If your heart is right with God, friend, I'll tell you, this is not a dead book. The Bible tells us the word of God is quick. The word quick is living. That's what the word quick means. Living. The word of God's living. 
It's an alive book. It's quick. It says it's powerful. There's power in this book. There's power in this word that God has given because God can take the word and make it live in the heart and praise God, men and women can come to new life in Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word of God and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so as their seed has life in it, so the word of God is alive. And it imparts life to those who are spiritually dead. And that's exactly what the sinner is. You read the book of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, you hath he quickened, or made alive. That's the word quickened. Made alive. You hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead. Dead in trespass and sin. And that's exactly where the sinner is in his sin, friend. He is dead. He needs new life. He needs new life. My, if you stand at the side of a corpse, I can tell you this, my friend. It's not a paint. To, it's, it's not a, a, a bit of paint that needs to put on their face. It's life that they need to make them live. It's life. It's the only thing that make them stand up. It's life, and that's what men and women need. They're dead and trespassing to sin. Then you need new life in Jesus Christ. So we have a, an exposition here. We know the sower is anybody who's a child of God that takes the gospel seed. The seed is the word of God. But what's the story all about? It's about the soil. And what we're told here is that the soil is the human heart. The human heart. And you look there at verse number 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. Now you'll notice in all of these passages of God's word here, It's something interesting. Every one of these four that Jesus is talking about here, and he's speaking about, they all hear the word. Look at verse number 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. They hear. Verse number 13. They on the rock are they which, when they hear. Verse 14, and that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth. And of course, the good ground, it says, verse 15, having heard the word, keep it. So we're finding every one of these have heard the word. They're hearing the word. So what's the problem? There's a difference in the response. There's four different kinds of ground. You see, seed without soil is fruitless. You say a man who had got sowed the seed on concrete, you say that, you need your head examined. You need soil. You need soil. So seed of itself, if it's just sitting on the concrete, let me tell you this, it's not going to bring forth the harvest. Seed without soil is fruitless. Soil without seed is almost useless. Because in actual fact, if you don't put good seed into it, all the beer will be weeds. And weeds are useless. They're useless. So what we have here is this. Listen to me carefully now. Let's get the story. There's one sower and there's one seed because it's all the same seed. And yet there's four soils. Four soils. And the response of the human heart to the sowing of a seed, listen, had nothing to do with the sower. The response that was given was not failure on behalf of the sower, my friend, and it was not failure on behalf of the seed. So where was the failure? It was the soil. It was the soil. And I want you to understand what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about here. Because there's something terribly wrong with the soil. Now the first one, look there at verse number 11 again. It says, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those by the wayside. You see, the sower, it says, some fell by the wayside. Go up to verse number 5. And it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. So here's the soil, and it is called the wayside. And here we see the callous heart, in other words. Here is the hard heart of the sinner. Now let me explain it to you. In Israel, 
Fields were basically divided into long, narrow strips. There were no hedges, and there were no walls, no fences. Long, narrow strips there, and then when it came to the end of that long, narrow strip, there was a a pathway, there was a hardened pathway. It was about three foot wide, and people could move around the countryside going along the pathway so they wouldn't be destroying the good ground or wouldn't be destroying the crops. And the farmers also needed that. And the thing about it was this, it was unplowed. That ground was never plowed. It was hard. It was beaten down. People had walked upon it. The sun had baked it, and as people walked, it got caked. It was like concrete. It was just as hard as anything because the foot had walked upon it. Now, the Lord Jesus explains this, that that ground is the ground of the heart that is so hard that the seed never enters in. The seed never enters in. The ground is so hard that the seed doesn't penetrate the ground. It's a callous heart. It's a concrete heart. It has been trodden upon so many times. What does that tell me? It's about the person who couldn't care less about the gospel of Christ. It's not that they haven't heard. It's not that somebody hasn't told them of their need of of, of salvation, but they have no interest in eternal things. And friend, carry duffs full of them. They couldn't care less. Many of them don't want to hear the word. And if they hear the word of God, they don't even twitch onto the word of God. Their heart's so hard. That even when the Lord Jesus Christ was upon this earth, there were people that he spoke to, friend, and they were so hard, they didn't want to hear him. They had no interest in what the Savior had to say. They had no spiritual perception. That's what Jesus said when he looked over the city. He wept. How oft would I, but you wouldn't. There's such a hard heart. And I wonder tonight, could you sit in a gospel meeting like this tonight and not be your heart, to be honest. You're here because somebody simply has invited you. But as far as your soul is concerned, you haven't a thought of it. And you couldn't care less. You're headed out to God's eternity just like me. Some of these days or moments you'll close your eyes in death and be taken from your loved ones and your family and your friends and your house and everything that's dear to your heart. And you'll have to step out into God's eternity. But as far as that's concerned, you haven't a thought about it. But notice what happens here. The seed's lying on the ground and then suddenly the fowls of the air, they swoop down. And they eat the seed. They take the seed away. Now, why why would they do that? Who's that? Well, Jesus, tell us who's that is. Verse number 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil. Now, notice, it is the fowls of the air. Who's the prince of the power of the air? It's the devil. But it says the fowls of the air. Because you see, there is only one devil, but the demons are his agents. And there's a multitude of demons that do their father the devil's bidding. And it says, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. It doesn't allow to get into the ground. My, it's so hard anyhow. It can't get in. But the birds, the fowls of the air, they just sweep down and, and my, they just take the seed away. Why? What does Jesus say? Lest they should believe and see it. See, the devil doesn't want you to see it. That's the purpose. The devil doesn't want you to be saved. The devil comes to take away the gospel seed. And you know, friend, let me tell you, in a gospel meeting like this, a spiritual battle takes place. Yes, sitting in seats in a gospel meeting, there is a spiritual battle that goes on. It rages for the souls of men and women, and the devil comes, my, to snatch away the good seed. How does he do it? Sometimes he puts other thoughts in your mind. And as you're sitting in a meeting, 
You haven't a thought about the preacher, what he's saying, and you couldn't care less, but maybe you're thinking about tomorrow. You're thinking about work. Maybe you're thinking about home. Maybe you're thinking about finances. Maybe you're thinking about the family problems and the difficulties. Maybe you're thinking about others. And the devil puts that. You see, there's a battle going on, and he sows other seed into your mind. Lest you be saved. He doesn't want the gospel to reach your heart. He doesn't want you to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, lest they should believe and be saved. Well, if the devil doesn't want you to be saved, what does he want? He wants you to be damned. He wants you to go to hell. Because that's where he is. And friend, let me tell you, the tragedy is this. That men and women, even in a gospel meeting, men and women listen to what the devil's saying. And they think about other things, and their mind's not upon their soul's salvation. Listen to me carefully. I understand when I preach the word of God, friend, that the devil's busy while I'm preaching. Trying to take people's mind away from the things of God. And the devil's busy after I'm preaching. For he'll try to get your minds off eternal things. He doesn't want you to think about eternal things. Because you see, if you were any wise man and you realized that you had a precious soul that was going out into God's eternity and you realized that there was a heaven for those that were ready and there's a hell for those that are not, wouldn't the wise person make preparation to be ready? Wouldn't they want to be saved? When they want to be prepared to meet God. But my, the old devil comes. And my, he puts other thoughts in your mind. And I can tell you this. Whenever the unconverted man, if he goes out of a gospel meeting and gets back into his car, let me tell you, the agents of the devil, my, they'll sit in the car with you on your ride home. To keep away the thoughts of eternity. That's why people can listen. They can come to a gospel meeting, go out, and they can laugh away there as if they were going to a party and they're going to hell. Why? Because of the devil. Don't you underestimate the power of devil, friend, and the agents as demons that to seek to take you to a lost eternity. Jesus said, listen, these people here, the, the, the devil comes to take away the word of God out of your heart lest you should believe and be saved. And then, that, that, that's his callous heart. But go quickly. The next heart is verse 13. It says this, They on the rock are they which hear the word. Now they hear it again. They receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. This is the careless heart. This is the careless heart. You see, much of the land of Palestine has only a thin layer of soil over rock. Limestone rock. And there's only a small, thin scattering of soil. Just a little coating of earth on top of that limestone rock underneath. But the soil's sufficient to get early sprouting. Because, you see, with the warmth of the sun and with the limestone rock underneath, it pushes the heat up and there's an early sprouting and it looks good. But there's a problem. There's no moisture. Do you know what happens? It just weathers away. Now the Bible says these people are those that hear the word of God with joy. In other words, they're an emotional hearer. And there is a superficial enthusiasm with them, but it's not real conversion. It's not real repentance. They receive the word with joy. You see, we live in a day of a so-called prosperity gospel that's been preached. And the crowds of people are flocking to it. 
If you want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, just come to Jesus. He'll give you health, he'll give you wealth. Just come to Jesus. And they tell you to sign a little card, and that's it. And men and women, let me tell you, it seems to be. People say, yes, so-and-so got saved. But let me ask you this question. Where's the repentance? Where's the repentance? Jesus said, except you repent, you perish. Do you know what repentance is? It's not only a sorrow for sin, it's a turning away from sin. Sad to say many people have made professions like that and the next day they've gone back to the world and they've lived back as they used to live the day before. But they just made a wee profession of faith with joy. Notice, with joy. No brokenness. What did Jesus say? Or what did the Word of God say? A broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. Men and women have got to be broken over their sin. Men and women, my friend, have got to see the awfulness of their sin. Men and women have got to repent of their sin. They've got to turn away from their sin. If it's God's salvation they're going to get. Except you repent. They perish. Remember there was an old godly preacher one time. He had been preaching the word of God and then there came this new evangelist into this community. Held this big crusade and the people were flocking to it. On the final night of the meeting there was about a couple of hundred people walked down the aisle. And everybody said this is a mighty, this is revival, this is, this is, this is the Lord's doing. The old preacher, as he thought about that and heard about all of these conversions that were happening at this great so-called crusade, the old devil said, well, what about you? You have preached and preached and preached. You've seen so little done. An old warrior of God said to him, friend, let me say this. That was on Friday night. We'll see where they are on the Lord's Day morning. We'll see whether they're in God's house on Sunday morning. And the answer were, they weren't. Going back to living the way they did. Was it conversion they got? No, friend, they didn't. It was a careless heart. And you might think tonight, listen, I could just make a little profession of faith and then I can just go and live like a devil the next day. Well, I tell you what you'll have. You have an empty, false profession that'll take you to hell. There was no repentance. But very quickly, notice a third heart. It says in verse number 13, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they had heard, once again they heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to, to perfection. What does that mean? This is the crowded heart. You see, there are some people, let's be honest, friend, they genuinely want to be saved. But their heart's crowded already with other things. Remember we talked about the rich young ruler. Yes, he wanted eternal life. He came running to the Lord Jesus. He fell at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. He looked into the face of the Son of God and he said, Good Master, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? He wanted eternal life. Jesus looked into his heart and he said, your heart has already got a God on the throne of your heart because the young man had great possessions. And Jesus says, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. 
Why did Jesus say that? Because God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What did the young lad do, friend? He turned and walked away from Christ. Sad. Bible says, grieved, sorrowful, for his great possessions. And there are people, let me tell you, they would want to be saved. But their hearts are already crowded. And they're not willing to have done with their sin. Do you remember Felix? Paul stood and preached Christ to Felix. In actual fact, Felix sent for Paul on several occasions to hear about his faith in Christ. And the Bible says as he preached on temperance, righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, it says Felix trembled. But he only trembled. That's as far as he went. And didn't come through for the Lord. Do you remember Agrippa? Agrippa heard the word of God and Paul looked into the eyes of Agrippa and said to him, Agrippa, believest thou? I know that thou believest. You know that what I'm saying is the truth. What did Agrippa say? He said, almost thou persuadest me. Almost. But what was the problem then? The woman sitting beside him. was not his wife. He was living in sin. And he looked at Bernice and he looked at her and then he heard the claims of the gospel about being a Christian. He realized there was a price he wasn't willing to pay. Almost. lost. You see, friend, all of these people heard. Yes, they heard. But not one of them were saved. And then the Lord Jesus said, verse 15, But out on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. That's the converted heart. Thank God that's the one that was saved. They heard the word. Thank God with a good heart, a heart that was prepared, a heart that was yielded unto the Lord, and they brought forth or produced fruit with perseverance and endurance. Thank God it was genuine salvation. And that's what you need, friend. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh his flesh, that which is born of the Spirit, his Spirit, ye must be born again. Who said that? Jesus. Who did he say it to? A drunkard? A gambler? A man that was in the gutter of sin? No, no. He said it to religious Nicodemus. That's why Jesus said unto him, Marvel not that I said you. Because Nicodemus was surprised. Why did he say it to me? I'm religious. I tithe to the temple. I pray. In actual fact, I fast. I do all of these things. 
And Jesus says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, to you, Nicodemus, religious Nicodemus, but lost Nicodemus, ye must be born again. There's only one you need tonight. It's not McCray. It's not the Reverend McLaughlin. It's not the church. It's not creed or sacraments. It's the Lord Jesus. Will you trust him? Which seed represents you, friend? Is your the callous heart hard? That won't let the gospel in lest you be saved? Are you the careless heart? Ah, yes, so I just only make a wee profession. It doesn't matter. I can live like I like and do it alike. God will open the door to heaven and just say, come on, on in. Are you the crowded heart? Heart already fell. No room for Jesus. Or will yours be the converted heart? That will yield to the Lord and the claims of the gospel and receive him as your savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy precious word tonight. Realize how possible it is for the devil to deceive men and women. Tell them they've plenty of time. Tell them they don't need salvation. Tell them they're good enough. Tell them as long as they go to church and say their prayers, read their Bible, live a moral life, do the best they can. You'll be all right. And yet they're closer to hell than ever been before. Oh God, take away deception tonight. Please God, open the eyes. Open their hearts. Let the word in. Let the word of God, thy word, penetrate into their heart. They might realize I'm a sinner. And I can never save myself. But God has provided his son to be my savior. Oh God, bring the sinner to Jesus. Amen. Lord, save them. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, friend. God's people are praying. Can I say if there's someone here tonight and you say, Preacher, I'd love to know Jesus as my Savior. I'd love to know God's peace within my heart and pardon within my soul. Can I be saved? Praise God, you can. Will the Lord save me? Yes, praise God, he will. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Am I too far gone? Thank God you're in the day of grace. That's why you're in this meeting tonight. God brought you here. You're not by chance here. For God has you here. But don't turn your back on the Savior, friend. Don't walk away without him. While the voice of God is calling, be in time. If in sin you longer wait, you may find no open gate and your cry will be 
too late. I beg you, in Christ's stead, be in time. We'd love to point you to Christ, Brother McLaughlin, myself. Love to show you from God's word how you can be saved, know you're saved, be sure you're saved. Get the greatest gift that any man, woman, boy, girl can ever receive, the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't go away without Christ. As others go and have their tea, friend, I beg you, don't let the devil snatch away the seed tonight. Speak to Mr. McLaughlin and myself. We'll go to the little inquiry room that's just away from the view of others and just quietly but reverently before God point you to Jesus Christ. Lord, the work's thine. And don't let one be lost. Save them for Jesus' sake. Amen.